Hey guys, today we explore rewiring your brain to increase capacity, but also how to design workplace cultures and team dynamics to help you and your teams achieve more. Thanks for choosing this episode. Well, hello and welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. I'm your host, Timothy Maurice, and I am delighted to have a really focused, wonderful conversation today with the head of marketing and business development for COSO. His name is Rob Porter. Rob, welcome to the Brain and Brand Show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Really excited about this conversation, especially because you guys have such an extraordinary depth of knowledge and resource on your leadership team. I'd like to know, firstly, you are somewhere near the Canadian border. Where are you? Uh, I'm located in North Idaho, just north of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. What is one thing that's unique about that part of the world? I would say that we have a lot of space for people to explore and expand, uh, as well as uh, space to absorb uh, personally and spiritually. Ah, I love it, love it, love it. Well, you have more than 25 years in instructional custom design and e-learning programs, and I want to dive in and have a rich conversation about how your background can inform us to understand neuroplasticity a bit more, a subject that our listeners will be familiar with, but I think we're going to come at it from a very different angle in this conversation. So thank you again for joining us. And one of my favorite features on the show or any podcast actually is called Inside Your Mind, where I will ask you seven questions where I'm going to give you a couple of options and you can only choose one. Can we do that? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Number one, webinar or in-person training? Webinar. Okay. Brownie or chocolate chip cookie? Chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) Slip-on shoes or lace-up shoes? Lace-up shoes. (laughs) Swimming or running? I thoroughly enjoy swimming. Number five, a latte or cappuccino? I would say a latte on that on that one. <laughs> Number six, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Dinner, for sure. Gives me something <laughs> to look forward to at the end of the day. Awesome, awesome. And finally, you've done work for BMW, Nike, Domino's, Microsoft, and many more companies. Which one is your favorite brand? Wow. Uh... I, you know, I thoroughly enjoy working with Nike for sure. Okay. Um, okay. A, a great culture of people, uh, just inspirational for sure. Thank you so much for allowing us to go inside your mind. Now, before we dive into your learning and understanding neuroplasticity, let's explore just how much things have changed since you began more than 25 years ago. What is one of the most fundamental things in the learning space that you have observed that's changed? You know, I would say technology. 
technology has allowed us to do things that we thought might be possible down the road. You know, if you're, uh, if you're a Trekkie, you enjoy Star Trek or sci-fi and you see these things that are on the screen, you're like, one day, maybe we could do that. Um, I noticed that, uh, not about a year ago, there was an anniversary of the Jetsons. If you remember the the cartoon, the yeah, Jetsons, yeah, right? Yeah. And yeah. things that are in that cartoon happen today, which is fantastic. They talk about robots. I'm not quite sure about the flying cars just yet, but I'm sure that they're coming around fairly quickly. But even so, I remember episodes where uh, there was a doctor's appointment and they met on the television. Right. So we talk about today we have virtual appointments with professionals and that's happening. Um, they also had the, the, you know, the, the children had class online, right? They had it on their television. Yeah. They joined. Wow. So it's, it's looking at technology and what we can really envision that is really coming together now and, and we're actually utilizing it and it's it's fantastic to watch i mean we we certainly wouldn't be having this conversation 25 years ago right that's right that's right thanks many, to george jetson yeah yeah <laughs> there are m- many many kilometers and miles between us right now absolutely i you know, you inspired me. I'm going to go back and watch a few of those episodes. It actually was go. one of my favorite, one of my favorite cartoons growing up. You know, when I think about neuroplasticity and the, the value of rewiring, uh, learning and so forth, it's always interesting to get different people's views, like, and why it's important. So define neuroplasticity to you and why do you think it's important? I think in a deep sigh, right? Um, so I think at a base level, it gives us the opportunity to, to understand our capacity for change, right? I think one of the things, and, and, you know, I'm inspired by many people in my life. Um, and one is, is, uh, uh, a, a dear relative who has always said, the only constant is change, right? Mm. And I think with taking that perspective and embracing it allows us so much potential as a result. Yeah. I mean, one of my, one of my favorite things about the fact that we now know we can rewire the brain, we can change the brain is dispelling some of these ideas like you can't teach an old dog new tricks because you can't right right? i'm one of them (laughs) (laughs) um what where is an area or is there an area of your life that you've rewired your brain or you've used your own techniques in your own life right you know i i think one of the the aspects is accepting the fact that you just don't know everything and walking mm-hmm. into a situation where you're open to learning as a result. Uh, where I am right now uh, in North Idaho, we're actually homesteaders. We established the, the property. We, you know, we built 
Uh, we created our own water supply, septic. Uh, we're off grid completely. We're on solar power. We have a wind turbine. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, in the metro area, as a suburbanite, right? And mm. I had, you know, we had utility bills and we had roads and sidewalks and everything else like that. The ability to walk into this environment, understanding that I just don't know everything, right, yeah. has yeah. has really opened up an amazing amount of potential and for for room to grow. Wow. What attracted you to Coso, the brand? Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, I, I think it's, for me, the brand, it's the people. You know, you asked me about companies earlier and, and what, you know, really where I connect best. And in with Coso, it, it, it really is the people. It, it's, it's such an amazing, dynamic group of people who bring unique aspects to the table that create something very whole and complete as a result. Okay. What would be different about Coso if you weren't there? <laughs> uh, maybe less jokes. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, I, I think one of the things that I bring to the table with Coso is that perspective of exploring new things. What's different? Yeah. What can we do different? Um, and as I'm not the only one that does that, but you know, in those conversations, I, I do, we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different experiences. And without those, um, it's a different recipe. I love it. Love it. Let's go back to neuroplasticity. Sure. So when it comes to designing and creating programs to that inspire neuroplasticity, take us through some of your thinking about how you go about creating content or creating environments to drive this shifting in the brain. Absolutely. What we have to do is we have to look at a number of the components. And one of them is who's our audience? Who are we connecting with? You know, we're typically working on some level of technology, whether it's a virtual classroom, whether it's a pre-recorded video, exercise, activity. At the base level, there's a human on the other end. And how do they relate to that, right? What is their responses? Where are they? Right. Am I working with someone, uh, can, trying to connect and share information? Uh, learning is about trans, transferring information, right? And a lot of times we look at things and with neuroplasticity, storytelling is huge, right? And we can guide individuals through a story that may have a, a purpose, uh, a way that they can relate to it, or something that they can gather and carry on and move forward in their job or their life. So when we look at this environment, it, it by leveraging this this potential, you know, as a designer, we can create transformative experiences, right? And these environments that facilitate a, a, a deeper learning, a personal growth in some cases, and, and as well as 
developing skills. And we look at what is, what is the goal, right? What is the goal? Is it gaining knowledge, right? Or are we looking at changing behavior, right? Uh, or is it a matter of developing or enhancing a skill, as well. Yeah. And so we, we have to look at what is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish here? Who are we connecting with? What resonates with them? What's their environment, right? Am I creating an environment for a police officer who needs quick information while they're in the squad car, right? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. am I working with someone who's on a retail floor who's trying to get some quick information to help support a customer, right? So like, so, so you would say, would you say that goal one or step one is to do almost like a purpose or goal audit? Like, what are we trying to achieve here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. What, what is the goal? And, and, and why are we, why is that goal in place? Right. Mm. Is something mm. broken? Is something going to, ch- is it, has it changed or will it change? And, and is it a matter of, are we looking at responding or are we looking at enhancing or, you know, uh, taking something and moving it forward? What I like about this is that this can apply to your personal life as well. You know, if I think about anything that I'm trying to achieve, like before I get into the tools and the techniques of, you know, wanting to change myself, I got to really be clear of what the foundational goal is. And I appreciate you're sharing that. Once we do that, what is the next step? Well, the next step is to how do we simulate the experience that we're desiring, right? Uh, you know, there's the old adage of walking in someone's shoes, right? Mm-hmm. And so we take a, a test run. You know, what is that? Does it feel right? Does this, is this the right environment? Uh, there are other aspects in working with organizations and corporations. There's style guides that they have. There's branding guidelines that they have. Those branding guidelines are, you know, as the companies that you mentioned earlier, they don't just throw them out there for just because they like that color, right? There's reasoning, there's purpose behind them. And how do we leverage that? And how do we take that and, and carry it forward? In, in that experience as well. So I think that, you know, how we look at that and kind of pave the way for the success and that we're able to meet the goals of, of the, of the environment, of the learning experience, of, uh, of the training itself. If you were to say there are one or two of the most powerful ways to trigger neuroplasticity, would you say story is one of them or, you know, what would you say is, you know, cause sometimes we get caught up in the kind of neuroscience jargon of this topic. And we, you know, instead of focusing on the right. fact that whether it's a policeman, it's a leader or whoever it is that we are trying to create change for that ultimately trying to provoke some new learning or new thinking, et cetera, is the goal, right? I think one of the things that is utilized quite a bit, and you mentioned, we talked about story. There's a concept of a learner journey. It's that experience that that individual will have. And, and what is, what does that entail? Uh, there's a concept of 
what's called transfer learning, where you learn basic concepts and then you transfer it to other areas, right? So you can take that and you can build a story around it and put them in different environments. And, you know, with that concept and putting them in different environments, uh, it, it promotes change, but it also promotes some critical thinking, you know, and how a- adaptable, right? Sure. So I think, I think that's one aspect. I think another one is, is gamification and people like games, right? We enjoy games, we love right? Games. Yeah. And, and we talk internally about what type of game is it? And we see these games in, in uh, adult education and, and virtual training of, uh, you know, create a Jeopardy game or, you know, something like that. But, but, um, we have to look at the type of game and, and what are we trying to accomplish? And I use the, I use the, um, uh, kind of the analogy. Are we, uh, are, are we playing checkers or are we playing chess? Right. And, and it's, it's interesting because we typically start off by, we're going to play checkers. Uh, More people understand the game of checkers than they do chess. And we don't want to get caught up in all these, the nuances of rules and things like that. We want to get them, we want them to be able to visualize what the end game is. And, and, and helping them provide some simplistic information or set of instructions and allow them to chart their own course as a result and play that game. And sure. there's the reward system as well. In our environment, we are virtual, right? We, we build learning platforms. We build learning experiences and it's virtual, but we're human. And there's a tactile need for us to experience, right? So how do we do that in those cases? And in some cases, we can accomplish that. There's AR, there's, you know, VR, right? Virtual reality, augmented reality, things like that, that are coming in and and really strong technologies that are helping us enhance that experience for these individuals. So I think those are some of the things that I'm seeing and we're leveraging as a result to, to make a better connection and, and to achieve what that, that goal ultimately is for the individual or the organization. You have an individual, do you have kids by the way? I do. I have two beautiful girls. And how old are they? Uh, 19 and 24. If your 19 year old came to you and said that, look, I'm inspired by your work. I heard this interview you had with the, this random dude in South Africa um, <laughs> about <laughs> neuroplasticity. I want to incorporate, I want to start tomorrow rewiring my brain, positioning myself to be able to rewire my brain. What can she do tomorrow? Before we continue with Rob, I thought I would introduce you to my dear friend, neuroscientist and medical doctor, Dr. Tara Swart, who will share a couple of ways you can position your brain to rewire it at home. Let's go through the first three of the tips, sleep, nutrition, and hydration. Okay. Um, And we still don't really know why we spend so much of our lives sleeping, but we know that it's absolutely vital to our health and our well-being. There's a couple of things about sleep, one short term and one long term. So if you have 
had disrupted sleep last night, then today you would be operating at work or in life with an apparent IQ loss of five to eight points. Oh, wow. Now, most people listening to this podlet would be able to do the day job, even though they're five to eight IQ points less than they normally are. But that's after one night's sleep. After four or five nights of bad sleep, you start to accumulate what we call sleep debt. And then you can't actually catch that up by sort of, you know, oversleeping at the weekend. So you start to get more permanent effects of of disrupting your sleep. And I mean, these are all based on population norm studies. So it's not going to be correct for every single individual. But these statistical studies show that if you lose a whole night's sleep, then that group of people, that IQ drops by one standard deviation, which would take anyone with even a high IQ to below normal IQ. And, you know, you know that I travel a lot. I come to South Africa. I'm in the States at the moment, but I live in the UK. And when I'm really jet lagged, I literally can't deal with details, can't deal with numbers. I forget if I've replied to emails or not. You know, it's actually quite scary. Um, and I almost class jet lag as a mental illness because you're just your brain isn't functioning normally. Most human brains, like 98, 99% of human brains need to sleep for seven to nine hours a night is because this very specialized cleansing process of the brain takes seven or eight hours. So you need to be lying down in bed, preferably on your side to allow this glymphatic clearage of toxins from your brain. Awesome. Thank you. Point number two. Nutrition. Okay, so um, I call it refueling, you know, almost like an athlete. And, and the thing about sleep is that, you know, our sort of um, national rugby teams and football teams, when they travel to compete, they know that there are some guys that can train the next day and some that have to rest for a day and then train. So we need to think about ourselves like that, both in terms of sleep and refueling or nutrition. Because our brain only weighs 2 to 3% of our whole body weight, but it's a very energy-hungry organ. Even when you're just at rest, like just, you know, not working too hard, it uses up 20% of the breakdown products of a healthy, balanced diet. When you're focusing or concentrating or thinking really hard or, you know, doing something a bit more demanding, like regulating your emotions, thinking flexibly or creatively, then it's using up to 30% of what you eat. So wow. when you sat down for a meal, if you thought a quarter to a third of this is going to affect my thinking, not my physical body, what might you do differently? There are some obvious things that come from that, which is eat regularly. So your brain can't store the breakdown products of your diet. So it, the breakdown products are glucose in a medical sense, but that doesn't mean refined sugar. So we don't want people to think that eating cookies or drinking sodas as a way of giving you know resources to your brain it's <laughs> about eating healthily and regularly so that your brain has a good supply of what it needs when it needs it any further point any other brain power foods before we move to hydration um well you know i actually strongly believe that water so the healthy fats and water are kind of what the brain is actually made of so that's why it needs um, those sort of substances to keep sort of keep keep itself at um, peak health. And so, yeah, I'd like to actually move on to hydration, which I consider to be part of, of refueling yourself. As a scientist, when I look at somebody and they look dehydrated, you know, and I can see the little fine lines on their face or 
they've got a really dry mouth or cracked lips. I kind of think I can see, it's almost like I can x-ray through your skull and see that the neurons in your brain, they can't send each other the chemical and electrical messages that they need to, to like, you know, pass information around pathways in your brain. And that's why I find it so frustrating when I have, you know, people who drink lots of coffee and then maybe have a few beers in the evening, but they, they can't drink enough water. I don't accept that. So um, I'm a big advocate of, of drinking enough water, especially if you do drink a lot of coffee or um, alcohol. Um, you need to drink about half a litre for every 15 kilos of your body weight. So you should probably be drinking like two and a half, three litres a day. <laughs> two and a half, three litres. Wow. Okay. How do you suppose I go about doing that? You run, so you need to drink more. And if you drink coffee, you need to drink more. Now back to our conversation with Rob. You know, one of the things about it, I'll, I'll, we'll take a topic about memory, right? You want to rewire it. You want to have a better, better way to, or, or better capability of recall and, and understanding how a memory is actually created, right? Uh, through a stimulus and, and that stimulus is then stored and uh, prefrontal cortex, and, and it's created as a short-term memory. But understanding that we lose a, a significant portion of that information unless we have an opportunity to rehearse it, right? And so teaching them techniques on recall and and reminding themselves about uh, you know, maybe they want to learn something, a, a specific topic, you know, say, Hey, look, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to do this, but tomorrow I want you to ask me a question about this topic. Right. Okay. And that would enhance that memory that allows that recall and then pushes that helps them push that into more of a long-term memory. Right. And those are some of the things that we can do. Uh, at, at any level, at any age, right? Uh, and there are techniques that we use as well in the work that we do and create booster training and in recall training and things like that, that can be done anywhere. So as, as far as, you know, my daughter would say, you know, say, Hey, I want to learn this. We'll have a conversation and we do this too. We, my, my youngest daughter and I were in, in a little book club, right? We, we want to, mm-hmm. and, and that helps, you know, she's, you know, moving into that adulthood air time, right? And there's new things to learn. There's new experiences. There's also new expectations as well. Yeah. And so having her move into that space, um, we, we have a book club. That we, you know, we've, we've talked about, hey, there's this book and, you know, I'm on chapter seven. Where are you? And hey, this is what I learned and so forth. And it's that, that ability to recall and to utilize it, but also talk critically about it as well. Lovely. If she said to you, Dad, is this going to help me outcompete my classmates? What would you say to her? Compete against who you were yesterday. <laughs> You're a great father. I have to tell you, that's one of the greatest answers in the history of this podcast. <laughs> okay. 
What a wonderful, what a wonderful answer. Wonderful. Excellent. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, like I said, I've had some pretty amazing people in my life who have, who have helped me. And it's in, you know, as we work through, uh, problem solving and, and situations, and it's, it's a huge opportunity to share some of that. What are some of the limits of rewiring your brain? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, sometimes I, I really genuinely feel when a topic like this becomes really popular, you know, you have a lot of people who dive in and just, you know, try to apply it to everything. You think you can just overnight change your brain from one state to a vastly different state. What are some of the limits and what are some of the things we should be thinking about when trying to drive this in an internal culture or on an individual level? Everyone has their own pace. Right. And everyone learns based on what they're ready for. Right. Um, so I think some of those limits are in some cases, it's, it's very difficult for a lot of things to, to paint a picture with a broad brush. Right. Uh, so providing individuals the opportunity for them to, in some cases, chart their own path. You know, I, I think, I think that's our opportunity to grow, but our, our limitation is that we live in a very fast paced world these days and, and we all wanted everything to happen now. Right. And, and, you know, I, I, I'm old enough to remember that when there wasn't an internet, right. I grew up <laughs> with the Encyclopedia Britannica. And if it wasn't in that, you know, in that book, then I, you know, ask my mom or dad to drive me to the library so that we could find more information. We live in a world where immediate gratification or answers is almost an expectation. And I think in some cases that that causes some limitations also. Yeah, I think the more I think about the need to be patient with your brain, to know where you're going, going back to where we started this conversation about being clear on your goals and what you're trying to achieve. Because, you know, the, the, you, you know, the way we got to our current kind of wiring took time, right? You know, neurons that fight together, stay together. There's been a lot of firing to develop this kind of neural network that we have. You know, I want to move to a close by asking you two more questions. One is, out of all the learning organizations out there, what makes COSO different? The the name COSO and it, uh, COSO Cloud. So COSO is inspired by c- completing the solution. And that's what we do is, is we complete the learning solution for organizations. Now, there's some fantastic tools that are out there in, the, in, in our space. And many times those tools fulfill 85%, 90% of what an organization needs. And what we do is we we help them get that other 10 to 15% completed. And sometimes that makes a big difference for an organization, for them to be able to connect to their audience, to be able to um, relay the, the messaging uh, and to... Generate the experience 
that they're looking for as well. And like I said, you know, we're, we're, we're all working with humans. We're working with people and, and they have, uh, there's certain ways to connect and, and everyone's a little bit different and, and organizations are different and they're different environments. You know, as I mentioned, different environments, police officers, retail, uh, you know, a wide variety. Healthcare uh, is another one. Government. They're all different in environments. And so a platform or a, a particular technology solution uh, may get them pretty close, but there's something that's just missing that doesn't make it their own. And yeah. so that's, that's what we do. Got it. And, you know, I'd like for you to close us out with a story where you have seen some sort of a change that has, that has moved you. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've got like a library of stories, but before, well, I'm going to give you a moment to think about that. Uh, but before you answer, before you share that story, what wakes you up in the morning? What keeps you coming 25 years into this conversation? What inspires you to keep, keep creating learning solutions? <laughs> You know, for me, every day is a learning day. Every day is there's an opportunity for me to expand and explore a new way of looking at something. And as I mentioned, within our organization, we just have a fantastic group of people and they're inspirational in many cases. And I learn from them all as well. So that's one of the things that really kind of gets me up in the, in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's embracing and it's, it's not always the same. So it, it is yeah. that embracing yeah. change, you know, uh, which, which helps dramatically. And then finally, you have a, a story that uh, has even surprised you maybe on, uh, the power of this learning work. You know, I will say it's, it's interesting. Um, so my, the evolution of my career has, it, really gone from actually funny enough my I started out as a uh, textile designer right I used to design fabrics and things like that I moved into computers and technology and then training uh, classroom training started out right and one of the things that I had done uh, was I, I used to teach uh, a e-learning development tool and I love okay. doing that. I would go all over the country and teach these people and so forth. Okay. And um, there was a group of people that I had that taught. I flew across country, taught a group of people at a state agency. And, um, you know, just any other, I've, I've been to, you know, probably most of the states I've, I've, I've gone to and, and, and taught uh, these classes. Recently, I want to say within the past six months, I connected with someone uh, who works at Adobe. And, uh, and we, we work very closely with Adobe. We work with the Adobe Learning Manager, with uh, Adobe Connect, Virtual Classroom, um, as well. Class.com, uh, is, is a, uh, our parent company as well. So, um, the, I, I met with someone on, on LinkedIn at Adobe. And, you know, I said, Hey, we're, we're kind of in that same group and, you know, be great to connect with you and so forth. And he had said, you don't remember me, do you? (laughs) 
And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So I went through his bio and I was like, okay, well, you know, he, he was in a couple different places and so forth. And he worked at this one state agency and so forth. And I said, you know, was it here? He goes, you taught me eight years ago, this product at Adobe. And it inspired me so much. I pursued a career with that company. And now I'm working in the same space that you are. Wow. And, and, and now we're peers. And it was something that was, he saw that, that, that it, he had the same interest, the, the same, he saw the same potential, uh, in what we were doing that he pursued it. And it was, for me, it was amazingly touching. It was like, wow, you know, I inspired. I'm not even going to say change, but I inspired, uh, you know, some, someone to move forward in a specific direction that they feel really good about. And so that was something that, that really warmed my heart for sure yeah. and, and stuck with me. And I, I guess that's the beauty of this learning work is that when someone starts at level A and they're moving towards B, they're not always sure who they're going to be when they get to B. That's right. And, and that's the beauty of and I really, really appreciate your career and you dedicating your life to this. We wish you and your family the best. And Rob Porter, thank you for joining us on The Brain and Branch. Timothy, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.